Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Armando Jaycox. I am a roofing contractor in Denver, Colorado, and thank you very much for listening to my podcast. The purpose of this podcast is twofold. One is to give customers more information about roofing services, and the other is to give fellow roofing contractors some good entertaining information to listen to while they're driving around in their trucks all day. So hopefully you really get a lot out of this and I really appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. So today we have uh, Trevor Karras from Front Range Claims Consulting on the show. And thank you very much, Trevor, for being here. I really appreciate it. No worries. I'm yeah, I'm super it. excited to have you here, actually, because we um, we haven't had an, a, a public adjuster on the show yet. And so this is going to be an opportunity for people who don't really know what a public adjuster is, public adjuster does, um, and how you know uh, you can help you know homeowners, building owners, contractors, and I mean... I feel like you also help insurance companies in a way, kind of help them like um, resolve problem claims. That's kind of the way I, I see it as well. But we can talk a little bit more about that. So thanks again for being here. Hey, no worries. And absolutely, I mean, you're kind of hitting it on the head right off the bat, Armando, where, you know, there's definitely a lot of facets to what I do. Um, ultimately, there's, you know, there's quite a need, I think, for public adjusters in the business. You know, but the trick really is it's not just public adjusters in general. There needs to be some sort of ethics behind it and really a, you know, a reason for it. You know, there's, you know, people get on public adjusters quite a bit for, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe, you know, acting unethically and, you know, doing things that, you know, give public adjusters a bad name. And Mm -hmm. ultimately I think my goal is to kind of change the story, change the narrative a little bit here Mm -hmm. and really kind of, like you said, you know, provide value, you know, help, you know, problem claims and, you know, ultimately, you know, help uh, get things resolved in a more efficient and correct manner. Yeah, I'm sure there's bad apples. There's a bad apple in every bunch, you know. So um, I have been lucky. I haven't really encountered too many bad apples. Um, there was one public adjuster who was kind of giving me some strategies that I wasn't too interested in. And um, and we just, you know, I decided not to work with that person. But yeah, if you put it right up here, they'll just, yeah, you, you should be good. But um so, um, so yeah, I mean, let's kind of get into it. Uh, you kind of know the tone and feel of this podcast too, by the way, Trevor, it's a little more raw, it's a little more real. We get real honest. Um, so that's just kind of, we'll kind of keep going in that direction. And, you know, I, we really just want to have a casual conversation and kind of get to know you a little bit better as well and, and get to know uh, people who, who are not in, in Colorado who want to work with a public adjuster or thinking about it. It'll be, um, you know, um, it'll be insightful for them and potentially a little entertaining because you probably have some good stories about uh, your business, your line of business. Sure. Um, but anyways, uh, where, so where are you from? You weren't, you were born in Colorado Springs, right? No. So uh, actually I'm from out of town. Um, I'm from the Chicagoland area originally, uh, kind of born and raised there, kind of the Western suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, probably about six, seven years ago, moved out here, uh, working with a company called Cunningham Lindsay. Okay, right? that's that's right. Okay, so you're born in Chicago, born and raised in Chicago. Um, you come from a big family. Yeah. So How yeah, many so, siblings. So yeah, come from a large family. Uh, you know, there's ten of us actually. Wow. So a large family. Um, and yeah, absolutely had you know kind of had a had a real um, kind of suburban upbringing, kind of a different th- sort of thing that uh, isn't as common. I was 
I was homeschooled for most of my life. So yeah. grew up in a homeschooled family, uh, semi-religious. All the kids are, were homeschooled. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah. And then after that, I went to a liberal arts college out in Virginia, okay. and I was a philosophy major. Okay. Um, and I kind of like to tie in the philosophy side of things with what I'm doing now, uh, just based on the ethics side of stuff. Yeah. So that's one thing we kind of had some chemistry about because I majored in philosophy also. Yeah. It's a little unusual. <laughs> you don't get a whole lot of philosophy majors in general, period. But like actually philosophy majors in the roofing business on top of that is kind of kind of crazy. But um, but yeah, let's so you went into philosophy and, and people who kind of don't really understand what philosophy is too much. It's just kind of um, it's just kind of the uh, the art of, of thinking, you know, how to think logically, how to think critically and how to think clearly. And, and hopefully you can convey those ideas that you have you know, in a, in a clear way as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of how I see it is, you know, it definitely laid a good foundation for my communication. I mean, ultimately mm-hmm. a lot of issues I feel on, especially in the claims world that I've run into now on a day-to-day basis is a communication breakdown, mm-hmm. be it, you know, between the contractor and the homeowner, the homeowner and the adjuster, the insurance company, you know, various es- experts involved. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of aspects that, you know, what really, you know, drives a claim forward is that, you know, expressing of an expression of ideas or the communication side of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that philosophy background definitely helped. A liberal arts background, you know, yeah. I always found you it. You got fun. a four year degree, absolutely. Okay, so bachelor's degree, bachelor's degree, nice. All right. So yeah, so looking at it, so when I you know go back and you know it was always funny. You always got the jokes. Oh, you're a philosophy major, what are you going to do? Teach philosophy? <laughs> you know, what a wasted degree. You know, yeah. I, I don't really, you know, I don't really put a whole lot of. Uh, you know, emphasis on that. I don't really take a like that, you know, as, you know, really accurate. I think people kind of miss the point, you know, it's really being able to, like you said, you know, come up with and formulate your opinion, form, you know, express that opinion yeah. and communicate really um, yeah. as well. Communicate effectively. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's, that's really what it boils down to. And, mm-hmm. um, kind of after college, um, you know, trying to get into a career, you know, looked around for a few things, you know, thought the HR world might've been a good idea. Hmm. Um, but actually, you know, had a friend who was a public or not public, just I apologize, a private investigator okay. out in the Chicagoland area. Okay. So, uh, kind of got into that, uh, worked as a private investigator for a couple of years. So fresh out of college, you start working as a public or a private investigator. Yeah. So <laughs> it was awesome. And there were, you know, a whole, a whole lot of, it sounds like a experience. fun job. I have to say. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely perks to it. I mean, it, and if anything, it kind of, you know, got me into the claims world kind of understanding, okay. you know, the insurance side of things. Um, we did a lot of type, you know, a lot of different types of uh, private investigation type of work. We did a lot of actually defense work, so working for mm-hmm. um, you know large companies, insurance companies, law firms who represent insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So yeah, so just kind of going going through, you know, kind of you know whether it, you know something like a workman's comp type thing or asbestos litigation. You know, there's it's like a workman's comp type thing where would you like follow someone around who has a workman's comp claim and like get pictures of them like walking normally and stuff like that. And they're supposed to be crippled or something. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, there, you know, there's a, a large breadth of different workman's comp type claims that can be out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything ranging from, you know, people not being able to have a normal lifestyle because of, uh, you know, an injury at the office or mm-hmm. in the workplace or something from, yeah, like you can't walk or can't carry anything. And yeah, just, and ultimately kind of how I took it was not, Hey, we're out here to, you know, bust people or, you know, give people a bad name, but it was more of, Hey, 
um, we're trying to keep people honest here. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that to me, that kind of translated well mm-hmm. into what I'm doing now as a public adjuster. And on the private investment, I mean, did you get hired by like guys who thought, you know, they were cheating or their wives were cheating on them and you had to like follow the wife around or, or vice versa? <laughs> yeah, no. So <laughs> you didn't do any of that? Not really. So oh, okay. in, in, in Chicago or Illinois, yeah. um, it there's not really any uh, divorce. Um, it doesn't help, I guess, the the other party if the person's cheating or something. Okay. So we didn't see a ton of that. Okay. Um, okay. It was more, you know, like I said, you know, injury type stuff or okay. like I said, uh, we did some work for some asbestos or yeah, asbestos litigation mm. where we were, you know, interviewing coworkers and whatnot, trying mm-hmm. to see, hey, mm-hmm. um, you know, did these, you know, did this person work with the whatever company was hiring us products and if so you know how much and what was the exposure for mm-hmm. you know that company so okay it was an interesting side of things and uh you know definitely taught me you know communication you know being honest and ultimately hey what are we really doing here it's finding out the truth yeah um and that's yeah. you know yeah. and then you know you know i definitely did a few more things in between there and now uh, well as that's well a huge part I. of philosophy studying philosophy also i mean i didn't really think about it's like it's really about what is the truth? That's ultimately what we're trying to figure out in philosophy is truth. We study of truth really in a way. It's kind of crazy. That's what I fell in love with it because I was like, wow, like how do you know that something is true or not? You know? And like, once you think something is true, then, you know, um, there's like some different ways to kind of figure that out. But a lot of it is just through logical reasoning and whatnot, you know? So I'd have like a lot of crazy discussions with people, um, at school. But, um, so yeah, that, so that's kind of what you, you studied in school, knowing the truth, go into private investigation, knowing the truth. And then that kind of led you into working with insurance. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, from there I got a job as an IA, um, and you know, work that's prim- independent adjuster. Yes. So working for insurance co- or yep. for work, insurance companies? Yep, absolutely. So, yeah. okay. so working for the insurance companies okay. you know, basically on a contract basis. Okay. So I wasn't an inside staff adjuster. I was a independent adjuster. So the eyes and ears. So let's differentiate the two because a lot of people don't really know the difference between a staff adjuster and an independent adjuster. So a staff adjuster, the person who's hired on a W-2 employee for the insurance company literally is on their payroll. Yep. Right. That's, and, then, and they go out to investigate claims on behalf of the insurance company. Uh, you know, um, kind of find out what's going on with the claim, uh, assess the claim, create an estimate for the claim, and then, you know, kind of give that that uh, report to the insurance so they can go and, and and get the work done, as opposed to an independent adjuster who is not on the uh, not as not on the W two on the insurance company's payroll, but plays kind of a similar role as a staff adjuster. Would, would you agree to that or not really? Yeah, there's a little bit more differentiating to okay. that. All so. Right. Uh, a staff adjuster, um, you know, in my mind, is someone who works, like you said, as a W two employee for an insurance company, be mm-hmm. it Allstate or State Farm or yeah. uh, whatever insurance company. They're yeah. the in house adjuster uh, that ultimately makes the you know decisive decisions. Mm-hmm. So they have you know um, you know the final review and then the right issuing of checks for the most part is done by okay. inside or staff adjusters. And that's what uh, you generally see out there, I, I would assume, right? Uh, not necessarily. So okay. it, it really depends on the situation. A lot of okay. times when you have a large loss, be it a hurricane, mm. uh, earthquakes, you know, fires mm-hmm. um, in here in Colorado, hail quite often. Yeah. Uh, and the bigger the storm, uh, the less uh, staff adjusters you actually see. Okay. So right. uh, independent adjusters are you know, basically the eyes and ears for that staff adjuster. So after the, after a big storm, like in Colorado, you might see 
more independent adjusters than you would staff adjusters. Yeah, I would say so. And, okay. and the reason why, I mean, it's ultimately it's outsourcing, right? So in any business, you got you know, got to look at what you can outsource, what you can outsource properly, mm-hmm. um, you know, to a um, help with you know costs and liabilities and whatnot. So an independent adjuster still works for a company. It's a Public, it's, a, it's an adjust an adjusting company. Is that, yeah, is that right? so there, there's quite a few um, independent adjusting companies out there. Okay, some of the large ones are Worley or Eberls. Um, guys, you'll hear, you know, mm-hmm. Crawford, Cunningham, Lindsay. Those are all yeah large players in the IA world. Okay, um, and they all work on basically a contract basis with the in, the inside adjuster with the actual insurance company. Okay, so you know they're not a W two employee of the insurance company. The mm-hmm. insurance company basically subcontracts out work to these IA firms for them to be the eyes and ears to look at the damage and say, okay, you know, this is viable damage. This is what we think it, you know, should take to repair this property. And so likely they'll take photos, provide an estimate. Well, it's kind of interesting about the independent adjuster though, is that they sometimes um, they like, even with, especially with state farming, really all of them, but they are oftentimes branded as, you know, the insurance company. So they might have, uh, you know, um, the, polos for the insurance company they might have you know um a truck even with the insurance company kind of logo car magnet type thing so to 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 anybody who's looking to the homeowner they might just you know seem like a staff adjuster even though they're really an independent adjuster yeah so there are certain companies who have what some people refer to as uh, captive independent adjusters. Oh, okay. So uh, they work, you know, primarily or only for one insurance carrier. So I think uh, you mentioned State Farm. I know um, uh, this is a practice that it, you know it seems like that they're following is that they'll have captive IAs who work for them. Okay. They're basically the face of uh, State Farm. They don't have the ultimate. I guess say. I mean, mm. they may have an authority limit, um, but ultimately, I wasn't a, an adjuster like that. Or an so IA that's like an that. entire company. That's like they're the entire adjusting company is captive to that insurance agent agency or a, or or a division of that company. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I mean that you know that one adjuster will work primarily for that you know or only for one insurance carrier. He'll be the face of that insurance carrier, and mm-hmm. he'll wear a polo or sometimes mm. have a sticker on his car. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately he's work. he's a subcontractor, but he's the, mm. you know, he's the face of the company. Do you um, think they approach claims a little bit differently or when you were an IA would then do a, was an independent adjuster approach a claim a little differently than a staff adjuster, would you say, or they technically are doing it. They're supposed to be doing the same, I would think. Right. Yeah. It really depends on what you're saying. So the, okay. the big thing that I'm that, you know, that I, that comes across when you first say that is, um, I think with, you know, with, with IAs and staffers. So the IA for the most part doesn't have any actual authority. Now there are okay. certain situations where they may have authority as far as like writing, writing checks. checks authority. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, but for the most part, the IA in his role is to be eyes and ears for somebody inside. Mm. So an inside staff adjuster, mm-hmm. you know, in order to review it, you know, agree or disagree and issue payment depending on you know, the outcome. Sometimes an IA can issue payment, right? So some in certain situations, absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, that's but, kind of up to the insurance company, how they want to determine that. Yeah. And okay. exactly. And that's, you know, and that's going to be their, you know, internal protocol on how they want to handle, mm-hmm. you know, the, the issuing of claim, the issuing of payment and, um, you know, and the authority of that IA. So okay. it really varies, you know, depending on that relationship. You know, and that's in that, you know, I think that's pretty. Well, the, the uh, controversy for, as a roofer is that um, the IAs um, approach a claim with more 
um, with a little more, uh, how do you say, I guess, a liberal attitude towards the damage as opposed to a more like, um, you know, financially conservative attitude towards the damage than a staff adjuster would because the IA um, is paid almost a commission, like like based on the uh, the amount of the claim. When I first heard that, I thought it was kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> What's I mean, your opinion of that? So, I'm, I, you know, ultimately, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it would be impossible to know what all these contracts look like between insurance okay. companies and IAs. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a misnomer. Okay. You know, and ultimately okay. I think, um, you know, that attitude that kind of actually hurts the industry a little bit. The, uh, uh, the attitude the, that the, the, the roofing I, the, and, and the, and the, yeah, adjusting. that the IA is going to overpay the claim because he wants to get the claim up. Yeah. I mean, I think that that attitude or that opinion, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of degrades, you know, what's really going on here. And, okay. you know, to go back to, you know, finding out the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, ultimately what needs to be done is the claim needs to be estimated properly. It doesn't matter if the inside mm-hmm. guy is doing it, the IA is doing it. Yeah. You know, if there's a public adjuster involved to make sure that it's paid properly. Mm-hmm. Um, Ultimately, you know, it should be estimated correctly. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. So regardless, you know, irregardless of who's actually doing the actual writing of the check or who's mm-hmm. inspecting it, you know, the the opinion that hey, if you get an IA, maybe he'll be more liberal. I think is, you know, it, it's detrimental it's, to the it's industry. It's it's sort of a myth. And, and yeah, you'd say it, it's a little more of a myth. Now, and here's the other problem too, and this is what I see, especially mm-hmm. on my end, is that. You know, because most IAs don't have a whole lot of authority, mm-hmm. um, it's really just kind of a uh, you know it it you know can, it can be a time a time hassle or a time mm-hmm. issue. Whereas if I'm dealing with an with a inside adjuster or a staff adjuster and meeting somebody out there who actually has some authority, mm-hmm. we can actually talk through and actually talk through the policy and you really get down to depth. Now, obviously, as a PA, mm-hmm. I have authority to d- discuss policy and you know argue coverages and whatnot. Well, let's just touch on the, you were you're in, you were an independent adjuster for an adjusting company, and you did that for how long? Yeah, so I did it for a handful of years. So moved okay. out, moved out here right after uh, the fires kind of down down in Colorado Springs. Okay, so we did yeah. that there for a while, and okay. then gosh, about four years ago, mm-hmm. yeah, just about four years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, decided that hey, you know, there is a need for you know people with my expertise on the public adjusting side of things, and then ultimately, hey, there's also a niche, you know, for someone who wants to do this and do this in an ethical, you know, type way and try yeah. to, you know, not push the envelope, but, you know, try to, you know, call a spade a spade. So you kind of wanted to start to branch out from being an independent adjuster. It sounds yeah, like. Um, what you know, was that like? Was that like a, like a mental shift that you had to kind of make? I mean, you had a, a I assume a pretty decent job with, who are you with again? That so one? yeah, so the IA firm was Cunningham Lindsay. That's a good company. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So there, I mean, obviously, you know, kind of going out on your own. So you know, I've got, you know, kind of deep down an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, so there's probably other adjusters who could be listening to this, who work for adjusting companies who are like, what happened here? How did he do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> and if you, I don't know, get lend a little insight to someone like that, it might be really helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a big kind of leap of faith. You know, okay. you gotta, you have to really, you're betting on yourself, right? Okay. You're saying, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing for anybody who wants to do anything that's by yourself hard. is you gotta, you know, kind of take that risk and say, okay, Hey, I'm going to, yeah. You know, I'm going to bet on myself here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, make this thing work regardless. You know, I feel like most guys don't go into the insurance adjusting because they want to take a risk. (laughs) I feel like they go into (laughs) it because they want some job security. You know what I mean? Did you, would you, uh, would you agree with that or not really? 
Um, at some level, yes. Okay. So I, I do think a lot of adjusters, you know, see their job as, hey, this is a this is a good job. This is a nine to five job. There's always going to be insurance claims. There's yeah. always going to be work. Yeah. And for somebody who you know who can do this job well. Yeah. Um, there is another side of independent adjusting okay. that I'm that I'm aware of that mm-hmm. you know, and they're more the the guys who run out on large cats. So okay. the, you know, a cat is a catastrophe. Okay. So like the guys who go to the hurricanes, the guys yeah. who go to the wildfires out. In California, or even the guys who come here mm-hmm. that we'll see from out of town, mm-hmm. um, you know, working these hail claims. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's kind of two aspects. There's a there's an IA that kind of covers a territory and runs claims in an area, mm-hmm. or works for a specific insurance company. And there's an IA who mm-hmm. goes from cat to cat to cat. Now, and depending on, you know, the you know who that person is and what his relationship is with the IA firm he's working for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really can depend. You know, there's a lot of entrepreneurial guys who do that. Yeah. Okay. You know, because and they yeah. look at it as, hey, listen, I'm a 1099 employee. I'm mm-hmm. going to provide all my own, you know, housing, and I'm going to run yeah. as many claims as possible for this. Adjusting companies like, great, we got a really good, experienced guy who can run large losses for us. Let's get this guy on and let's get him as many claims as we can to, uh, you know, um, help the insurance company and you know help ourselves as well. Right. It's, is that kind of the attitude that a adjusting company would take with someone like that? Yeah. I mean, I okay. think, you know, ha- having people with experiences definitely been paramount, you know, what I've seen. Yeah. You know, the so then you, um, so you took that leap of faith, you decided to bet on yourself, but you didn't wait. Did you, you went with, you had a partner at first, right? Or you kind of went on board with a business partner or something? Like that? Yeah. So I was, I was working with another public adjuster here in, here in Colorado. Okay. Um, you know, I was working for him, you know, basically under him and, you know, I was helping, yeah. you know, on files that he was, he was assisting on. And then eventually once I had my license, um, you know, I was running my own files, but you know, w- under his company. Yeah. That's how uh, we met, I think, or without, yeah, he, he referred, he referred me to you because you had been working with him for a while. And then my understanding was that you kind of saw a little, a, somewhat of a niche in the residential market and you kind of he was going to say, well, I'm going to just going to ex- ex- uh, focus exclusively on large loss claims and any the residential stuff. I'm just going to like, you know, refer over to Trevor is that kind of what what was the, the situation more or less, or not really? Yeah. So you know, so that was kind of the evolution, um, you know, of the you know of the beast, if you will. Okay. Um. So yeah, there um, in the public adjusting arena, in my you know what I've observed, um, a lot of public adjusters are you know go after the the higher value claims or the claims mm-hmm. that you know is, you know there's a perceived. Yeah. Uh, difference or, or or additional damage that should be covered um, on the higher dollar ones, and you know obviously the their public adjuster fees would be uh, you know higher in that point, so less you know the idea is less work and mean more money. Um, yeah. My thought is, and this is kind of back, you know to back up to the philosophy side of things. My thought is is hey, listen, at some level, you know there there's a need for assistance on claims, you know, at all levels. Yeah. Um, and you know, you know, being that, you know, the residential side is, is, you know, not as, you know, sought after, if you will, with public adjusters, mm-hmm. um, I saw a need for it. And, you know, ultimately I think, you know, at some level, you know, yeah. a little bit of money for, you know, someone who, who has nothing is, 
is a lot of money. So, so okay, so then let's so you, you and you've helped us with large large claims and you've helped us with small claims. So um, from your from your perspective back then, you kind of like you weren't necessarily saying, well, I'm only going to work exclusively with residential claims. I'm going to work with residential claims, kind of like that's going to be my sort of my, my bread and butter for now. While I'm generating these large loss claims, the business on large loss claims, because it's not like you don't do large loss claims, right? I mean, you're doing those as well. Yeah. So primarily, you know, obviously, you know, there's, you know, there will be the occasional larger file that comes through. Yeah. I'm not actively seeking out okay. large files. You know, obviously, you know, there's people who are comfortable with me and who trust me, um, you know, to handle their files. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's going to be the like same. Like us. Yeah. It's going to be the same thing. And I think the the important thing is to, and, I, you know, I think while we're on, you know, on this podcast, it'd be good to help differentiate as well. Mm-hmm. Um so it's important, you know, while I've, you know, as- assisted on claims that you are the contractor on, mm-hmm. the important thing is my client here is actually the homeowner or the yes. insured. Yes. So, um, and, it, and that's always a big misnomer in the industry. Like, hey, you're, you must be working for this contractor. Well, yeah. the answer is really no. Yeah. Um, you know, while we're working in concert together, yeah. um, you know, my contract is with the homeowner or the insured. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, our mutual client, you know, the insured, you know, to get the, the work, you know, to get the claim approved and paid correctly. So, So, yeah. And I think it's, that is, I'm really glad you brought that up because that is a a big difference. Sometimes the homeowner will say, well, um, just because I introduced them, all I'm really doing is making introductions. I'll introduce you to a homeowner. You guys take it from there. You know, it might help with a bit of explanation and that's about it really. Um, pretty light. I just kind of let you guys, you know, explain the chunk of it. Um, but I think it's, um, I think that's, that is huge. That's really important to know that the a, a homeowner or insured works directly with you and really has kind of nothing to do with us at that point. Once you guys kind of take a start working with that homeowner. Um, so yeah, let's kind of talk about that a little bit. So the relationship, you know, and I, and I kind of look at it as kind of, Hey, we've got a, a three legged stool here. So it's mm-hmm. important. So what you said is kind of a little bit incorrect in my mm-hmm. mind. Okay. Um, so the contractor's never out of the equation. Yeah. Um, he's always there to provide his expertise as a contractor. So mm-hmm. the way how I look at it is is that you know the homeowner, um, you know they were the insured is there to be the you know to be the insured and to get their property repaired correctly. Yes. Um, the public adjuster lends his expertise to. A, you know, review the policy, make sure he, he or, you know, the insured has coverage for the things, you know, that, you know, that are in dispute, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then the contractor provides his expertise, A, to provide bids if necessary and or uh, provide his knowledge of, you know, the materials and labor and construction Yes, the homeowner or the public adjuster may not necessarily have. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that's kind of so that's the way we've worked on claims. Um, I just I guess uh, the homeowner kind of thinks it's we, you and I somehow like our business partners. I guess that's what I was getting at. You know? <laughs> and that right. we're, we're not. We're, no, we're, we're that, completely separate entities. I help with the, getting the house fixed and you help when the, the claim is turned into a problem. I call them problem claims. So like if there's a, a problem claim, like they're going to pay for half the roof and we need them to pay for the whole roof. And, you know, I, uh, I don't really like to get into that too much as a contractor because um, I just haven't been really successful getting the insurance to, to pay for like the other half. They, I feel like I get the runaround a lot. So then I'll just kind of like introduce them to you and I can kind of tell you what I need and then you can take it from there as far as getting the entire roof approved. Yeah. So, you know, that's a good little example, you know, ultimately on a, on a 
you know, basically a partial replacement on a, on a roof job, for example, mm-hmm. um, kind of going through it and looking at it as, Hey, you know, there's a lot of nuances that you're kind of start towing a line of acting in as an, as an adjuster. And you think yes, it's, it's wise of you to identify that and say, okay, Hey, this may be a coverage or a policy issue that as a contractor, you know, I really shouldn't be getting into a debate about. So, yeah. And you know, Trevor, let's like talk about that for a minute because I just did one recently where they paid, it was, it was a duplex. Okay. And I mean, the one side of the duplex, they're connected. It's the same roof, okay? So one side of it, the adjuster paid for a full replacement of the entire roof. And the other side of it, he paid for a repair, dozen shingles or so. So I talked to the uh, to the insurance company on the side that paid, that paid it just to confirm that we're good. They were like, yep, no problem. Everything's good. You can go ahead and proceed with the work. And I said, okay, great. I talked to the adjuster on the other side, and he was just kind of saying that, you know, what they decided was what they decided. They didn't care that the other side had paid for replacement, that they even implied that maybe the other side adjuster didn't know what they were doing and paid for what they shouldn't have paid. And I said, okay. And they wanted me to give them an estimate and wanted me to do a reinspection and wanted me to kind of, I was starting to feel like jumping through a lot of hoops, you know? And, and so, um, I've kind of been down those, that road before where when I didn't understand a problem claim and I didn't understand, um, you know, kind of how complicated things can get, um, I would start jumping through those hoops and they would just start telling me, um, like, you know, uh, well, this is what we decided and, and, you know, this is the way it's going to be. And, you know, there's nothing really you can do. And as a contractor, I'm not allowed, if they say, well, that's not in the policy, that's it. I'm done game over for me. Cause I'm not allowed to go into their policy and start, you know, analyzing it and talking policy with the insured or with the insurance company. That's kind of against the rules for me. So what I, um, I, and I haven't, I've never done that, but like, that seems to be kind of where the line gets drawn for me. And I don't like jumping through so many hoops for to get, to get a claim approved. So with this and in particular, I just, you know, made an introduction, um, you know, uh, you guys took it from there and got my help when you needed it, uh, as far as like estimating some of the job. And, and then the next thing I knew, um, you guys had gotten, you know, uh, the full roof replaced and, uh, I was able to proceed with the work. So, I mean, that's kind of how this one problem claim in particular worked. I mean, you want to comment on that? Yeah. So there's a, a couple of things to unpack there, I think. So mm-hmm. a number one, you know, I'm, you know, I'm happy to, you know, to hear what you're saying as far as, you know, identify, hey, this may be a policy and coverage issue. Um, ultimately, as well, you know, you know, at, at some level as the contractor providing your expertise and providing estimates and bids and, you know, explanation of work to mm-hmm. the insurance company is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, yeah, identifying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going round and round in circles. And yeah, you know, we're not really getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, so on a job like that, yeah, so it's, it's really a matter of, you know, what are we really looking at here, right? Is it reasonable to only do half of this roof? Is there an issue where we're tying into some valleys, you know, and this, and that boils down to more a theoretical thing of construction yeah. and really, you know, going through it and having um, the ability to explain that, you know, to somebody in a manner, um, mm-hmm. you know, to get it approved and get in it, you know, so it's not like we're, we're getting anything that wasn't warranted. Yeah. Uh, it absolutely was warranted, but it, you know, it, it took time and it took some explanations that maybe you as a contractor couldn't go through because of policy constraints. And yeah, I mean, once they kind of say that, I, I mean, I've gotten to the point at this point, like j- that I don't even, when we have a problem claim, I just make that introduction right away for the most part, you know? Um, cause in a, the way it usually works for me, 90, 90% of the way I work with customers is 
I will, um, you know, meet with them. We'll help them do the claim. They will, I'll meet with an adjuster, make any clarification with the adjuster. The adjuster says, sounds good. We're on the same page. Here's the approval. Here's a check, Mr. and Mrs. Customer. Go ahead and work with your contractor. And then I get them going on a new roof. So that's typically how it goes. Um, but then there's sometimes where they say, well, you know, um, we're going to only pay for half the roof on this one. And I'm, and I'm in complete disagreement. I, I know there's damage on the other side, but for whatever reason, the adjuster is just not, um, you know, they're kind of just not going to, not going to pay for the other side. So then that's when I'll just, um, at that point, I mean, I stop working on it. I, I mean, not completely. I'll make that introduction. And so I think it's important for the, for the home, for a homeowner to know that the insurance company has their adjuster and they are also, the homeowner is also entitled to have their own adjuster. And that's what's called a public adjuster. Absolutely. So yes, yeah, so that's a big thing. So you're exactly right. So um, the insurance was not have their adjuster. Ultimately, they're paid by the insurance company. Um, and then, yeah, the homeowner ha- has the right to hire their own adjuster, a public adjuster, basically to help them get the fair market value of the loss. Okay. Um, so, you know, and what the public adjuster does is he reviews the policy to make sure there's coverage for things. Okay. Um, and then ultimately he helps identify what needs to be covered and what needs to be uh, you know, replaced or repaired, mm-hmm. um, depending on the damage that, you know, kind of goes through. And then, in my mind, it's a huge asset to the, to the a, a huge, like uh, benefit to the customer, to a homeowner who may not, who may believe that they are entitled to more than what they got to hire a public adjuster. Yeah. It's kind of nice. It, it, it definitely gives some options. You know, that's, that's the big thing. It's, a, you know, how I look at it is uh, I'm an advocate for the insured, yeah. um, you know, to help them get, like I said, the fair market value loss. And that's really the key term. You know, I'm not looking, you know, as a, yeah. a, an ethical public adjuster, he he won't be looking for something above and beyond. Okay. You know, we're not looking for a windfall. Yeah. You know, we're not looking for walking money, if you will, for yeah. some of these insureds. What we're looking for is the amount that's owed under the claim, you know, and what should have been paid on day one. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so and ultimately, yeah, we're we're kind of building that file in a manner that you know is accurate to the best of our knowledge, mm-hmm. and we're employing the proper experts as necessary to help get a fair settlement. You know? So, would and, you mind walking through like another problem claim that you feel like um, we, we've we've got we've worked on it like quite a few, but I feel like um, there might be like let's say there's a homeowner out there. I know paying half the roof is one. What's another one like where they pay just like a basic repair and there's clearly more damage than that. Yeah, I, mean, I could think of quite a few files, um, but you know, they're, they're, you know, we run into quite a bit as repairability. Okay. Um, you know, every once in a while, we'll run into files where, um, you know, there there'll be you know damage, you know, particularly you know, particularly with wind. That was a big one here. Okay. You know, this in this past year, mm-hmm. um, where you know you have a roof that's damaged, and the whole roof may not be damaged. Every shingle may not be damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there may. Be only a few facets of the roof, for example, mm-hmm. that may be damaged. Yeah. Uh, at some level, there's an argument for repairability, okay. uh, and that's something that you know that needs to you know kind of be addressed. You know, I think you know a, a common thing that we hear in Colorado is Colorado's a, a non-matching state. Um, yeah. To me, I think there there's kind of you know kind of a misnomer with that. You know that there's no law that says you know the insurance company is not supposed to match. There's no law that says the insurance company has to match. Okay. Um, however, you kind of look at it as far as a reason, but you know, something that's reasonable, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is there a reasonable uniform appearance here? Is there a, you know, is there a, an issue with, you know, 
basically reason or logically looking at this thing. You yeah. know, if you've got a shingle that's you know been on this roof for you know thirty years and it's you know it's definitely worn out, or mm-hmm. even if it's not worn out, but you just can't get that shingle or something similar, so the house doesn't look like a clown house. Mm-hmm. There's a reasonability to that that you know has yeah. to be taken into account. So the repairability that that we ran into some of that earlier this year with over like in Erie, Colorado, in the Boulder area. Um, there was a lot of wind damage over there and, um, some of the, some of the adjusters, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I, we had a entire, like, you know, sections of the slope completely torn off and they wanted to repair it. But you're saying that, I mean, in my opinion, also they're just not repairable because I mean, I literally try to, we try to, you know, put a, uh, a crowbar to remove the shingle and it breaks. And then we have to, it just a domino effect over the entire slope. That's what you're referring to, right? That you just, this just roof is not repairable due to the, the age, maybe the wear and tear yeah, condition, that kind of thing. Yeah, condition. condition. Absolutely. And, and those are all factors that need to be taken into account. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in ultimately, I think, you know, as a contractor, the best thing you can do is help demonstrate that, you know, to the insurance adjuster, be as an IA or a staffer, just to kind of show, Hey, this yeah. is, this is what we got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at some level, you know, you can make an argument that you can repair it to a ridge or a hip, but mm-hmm. we, it has to it has to look right in my mind. Absolutely, um, you know. And if there's yeah. and if it if it doesn't, I think you know. And this boils onto more of my expertise is, hey, you know, is this you know basically the the word that we, that's used in an insurance lingo is indemnifying the insured okay. um, by only doing a you know this sort of repair. Uh, and it, it very well may, depending on what that policy language is, you know, there are certain yeah. policies that have certain, you know, exclusions or riders that, you know, that say we don't owe no matter how bad it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other, okay. other policies that, you know, have, uh, you know, certain riders or, um, you know, you know, different parts of their policy that, that pay for it, you know, and it, you know, in addition to what's reasonable. So you know, in some states, they say the roof has to match. Like that's a, it's a mat considered a matching state, but, um, other States like ours, they don't say there's not a law that says the roof has to match that the color has to match. It's more, it has to be what they call You kind of referred to that language, universal, a reasonable, universal appearance. Was that kind of, yeah. Reasonable, uniform appearance. Okay. Reasonable, uniform. That's kind of, you know, been the, the term that, you know, that, that I've liked to use. And I think is pretty industry standard for, Hey, this is, you know, something that's reasonable here. Um, you know, so in ultimate, you look at the roof and it's reasonable to that, that it would like look like the same and not like a patch patch job roof type thing. Correct. Okay. Now, ultimately, like I said, that boils down to the policy language as well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where like when you are, you know, identifying these claims as potential problem claims or claims that involve, you know, policy or coverage issues, mm-hmm. you know, referring that, you know, to someone like myself or many other colleagues that I have in Colorado yeah. um, to handle the claim and to, to help assist to get the fair market you know, value settlement, yeah. you know, um, yeah, in a claim situation. Like yeah. That. And so like, I, like I said, I want to be clear with people that like, I think I, the majority of the times there's the insurance company does a good job. They pay it the way they're supposed to. That's been my experience so far. Um, I think there are these instances where there's a disagreement, you know, there's a disagreement between, um, me, the uh, insurance, uh, the the adjuster, and usually it's me and the homeowner are in disagreement with the adjuster. So um, that's kind of what because I can I usually show pictures to the homeowner say, well, this is what I'm looking at. This is why I think you need a, a new roof. And it's not it's it doesn't happen that often because I usually only um, re- recommend a claim if I'm 100 percent sure that it's going to get approved completely by the by the adjuster. So when it doesn't get approved, I'm like, 
this is kind of crazy. I'm like shocked right now. It's not approved. And then that's where I kind of let them know, look, this is turning into a problem claim. I think you might want to work with a third party consultant. And that's kind of usually what I refer because, um, do you want to touch a little bit on the appraisal process and the versus the public adjuster process? Yeah. So, uh, in the insurance world, right? So there's a, there's a clause in most insurance policies called the appraisal clause. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's basically an informal arbitration proceeding. Okay. Um, so it's a clause built in the policy to help avoid lawsuits. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one wants to go through a lawsuit. You yeah. Know, ultimately, you know, it's time and money and you know heartache and headache for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you know there's a process, this appraisal process that can be employed in order to avoid that type of situation. Yeah. Um, in in the appraisal world, um, you know there. The insured, you know, uh, hires an independent third party, somebody who, you know, doesn't have a financial interest in the claim, someone who's unbiased and someone, you know, who's knowledgeable about, you know, the damage. So invoking the the appraisal clause, that's something that you're not necessarily acting as a public adjuster at that point anymore. You're acting more as a... Um, loss appraiser type insurance loss appraiser type thing yeah so i guess we only unpacked that for a second so uh the only you know the, the person who invokes the appraisal clause mm-hmm. is the insured or the policy okay, holder right um and by invoking it he's naming an appraiser okay um and anybody can be an appraiser mm-hmm. um you know it, it is something that i'll do on occasion you know serving as an appraiser mm-hmm. um However, you know, it really, you know, it, there, there's, you know, like I said, there's some qualifying factors. You Definitely. Know, I can't, yeah. you know, the like competency. The, right. Exactly. So, for example, you know, it, you know, for the being the contractor, mm-hmm. technically you could serve as an appraiser, mm-hmm. but you couldn't act as an appraiser on your own, on your on a claim that you might have a financial interest. Well, because in. I'm competent, I could I could do an inspection, I could see the damage, I could even write up an, an estimate, a line item estimate, I could do all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm I've you know been in the roofing industry for many years, so I, I would be I could be considered like a competent independent third party potentially. Correct. Okay. Now the thing to look at is, hey, you know, could you do an appraiser for a fellow coworker of you? Absolutely mm. not. Okay. And the reason why is you potentially would have a, a financial interest in that being that you guys both work for the same company. Yeah. Same thing yeah. with my myself. Okay. You know, if I had a financial interest other than my fee, mm-hmm. um, you know, say I was working for a family member or a coworker, or, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you, you would have, you know, some issues there. Okay. Um, so well, uh, just to be clear, I, I don't ever, I'm, I'm really happy. I don't have to get in your part of the business. <laughs> so, I really love just working directly with homeowners, getting their house fixed, getting paid and everyone moving on, giving them a great warranty I can get behind, you know, and, and, you know, support them in any way that I need as far as like, you know, getting their house fixed, but like you're part of the job. I'm just not cut out for that. I mean, like working sometime on a problem claim, once the insurance company has decided that they don't necessarily want to pay a complete replacement or they don't want to pay according to our estimate. It gets pretty hairy sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it can, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of, you know, what I, you know, I kind of see it as kind of relationship management. Okay. Um, there's a lot of personalities at play, you know, it's interesting, hmm. you know, the variety of, you know, of contractors, homeowners, adjusters, public mm-hmm. adjusters, IAs, you name it. Yeah. The people involved in the claims process that, mm-hmm. you know, that can be out there. Uh, and it's all, you know, in kind of, you know, in my experience, it's ultimately meeting somebody at their level and being able to have a cordial conversation. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can't stand the people who, you know, who you know, come into either 
any situation in life, but you know, we're talking claims. So in an acclaimed situation, come into it in a hostile environment, you know, yeah. looking at it in a way where, you know, you know, there's some adversary, you know, no, like we all should be working for the same thing here Absolutely. to try to get yeah. you know, the fair market value of the loss. I mean, that's really what, you know, uh, you know, anybody in this business should be doing, you know, that I think it's important to know. I know every time we've worked, uh, you know, I've worked, we work together, uh, within, with the insurance company. I feel like we've, we've always done our best to just be respectful, you know, all parties being respectful, you know? And like, I feel like there's some contractors out there that kind of start to not get as respectful. And then, you know, then in turn, the, the, the adjusters will, will kind of get aggressive. I know the first company I worked with the man, the, uh, the sales manager was pretty aggressive towards uh, some of the adjusters and then they just get right aggressive back. And you've kind of helped me to kind of see, Hey, you got to be a little more friendly. <laughs> okay. I mean, not that I was really rude, but like sometimes it's, it gets frustrating when like, I know that I should, we sh- they should be paying for something and I'm passionate about the situation. I'm passionate about helping the homeowner and I have to kind of like, just kind of how, ha- you know, how ha- use some restraint and just kind of explain things in a professional manner. You know, I think you've been really good about that. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I see is, you know, when you, when I, whenever I meet someone new or if I'm going out on a, on a new file mm-hmm. is, you know, is looking at it, you know, from the other side, you know, the, the cool thing okay. that, I, that I see in yeah. my perspective is that being that I worked on, you know, the insurance company side, I know what it's like to be, you know, you know, being yelled at by someone else, you know, and that yeah. doesn't feel good. And, um, you know, and I, and you know what, to be honest with you, like, it's not a, you know, it's, it shouldn't something, it shouldn't be something that happens. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're a civilized culture here. Let's talk about other civilized people. And yeah. let's, let's try to find something that works. Like when you were in IA, you'd get yelled at by homeowners, I would think, oh, by, yeah, uh, by contractors, a- by. Absolutely. You know, okay. I, I think, you know, on, on the, the roofing side or the contractor side, you know, they, they may not, you know, necessarily see, you know, see it from the adjuster's perspective, but mm-hmm. that happens quite often where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the adjuster's berated by a contractor or mm-hmm, berated mm-hmm. by, you know, the homeowner. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell you, I mean, I, I know, you know, in this industry, you know, people laugh about it, but mm-hmm. you always hear crazy stories where mm-hmm. a contractor will storm off with his ladder and leaving the adjust on the roof. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, I've heard about that. That, I mean, that's, you know, that's unacceptable in you know, sure. today's world and, yeah. you know, this industry ultimately it gives everybody a, you know, a bad taste and it looks bad at, you know, egg on everybody's face. You I know? personally appreciate insurance companies, man, to be honest with you. You know, I appreciate that they, they, they usually, they usually try and do the right thing in my, in my experience. And so, um, and there's been, uh, you know, there's a lot of cases with every industry, I think where bad things happen, you know, where, um, you know, like that hurricane Sandy, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went down with that where insurance companies were, and even adjusters were doing straight up wrongdoing, you know? And so I think that is happening, but in general, it seems like they want to just indemnify the client, the, the insured, and they just, everyone just kind of wants to move on. It seems like. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with that for the most part. You know, I've you know, yeah. I've got some very, very good friends who, mm-hmm. you know, are still insurance adjusters. And, you know, I think very, very highly of them. And I think, yeah. you know, you know in, in even guys I don't know, I, you know, I, I always meet people that I'm like, gosh, you know, the, you know, if you would have been on this claim the first time, you know, maybe I never would have been involved like this. You know, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of professionals out there. But ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, in every business, they're there are some slackers, you mm-hmm. know, and that's ultimately what gives me, me a job as well. You know, while you identify, you know, you as a contractor are identifying some problem claims. Um, ultimately, you know, there's going to be problem claims. That's human nature, you know, to boil yeah. it down more philosophically, you know, there's, you know, there's always going to be some bad actors and, you know, there's always some failings in human nature. So, yeah, absolutely. You, um, you know, and it, it's, you know, it's funny that, you know, we, you know, I know 
people kind of joke about this, but hey, you can catch one adjuster having a bad day. You know, who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe his mom just died or his dog just died. Yeah. You know, there's an, you know, he's having a bad day. Maybe he just got cataract surgery. Who knows? Yeah. So, you know, you got to meet people at their level and ultimately, you know, hey, you know, for the most part, you're right. I think a lot of people want to do the right thing. Yeah. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll see that, you know, that's not the case. And it's something here mm-hmm. where it's the communication and the, you know, the, you know, providing the correct documentation to get a, get a claim paid for correctly. Yeah. That really boils down to. Well, I mean, it's such a great service that like if there's a problem claim and you're a homeowner and you're frustrated because you think you deserve an entirely new roof and you got, you know, paid for a repair and, you know, um, your roof's going to cost actually I think about it. There's one we're working on where we just got done working where the roof is literally $60,000 and they started out at like 8,000, I think for a repair. And, um, and he was not happy, you know, and he kind of asked me to, you know, for some guidance and I did my best to explain what was going on. But, um, it seems, you know, with that situation, it was better for you to take the file. I think you took as a public adjuster instead of as an appraiser, but I want, I just kind of want to like let homeowners know that they have, they have like, um, an option. The only problem is that there's so many adjusters out there and and public adjusters and and appraisers who just don't want to work with residential claims. Unfortunately, I I see it as like a huge problem, um, because the claim amount is, is too small and it's just not worth it for them to, you know, spend some time on it. Um, because they'd rather, you know, go after larger loss claims where they can make more money. And so, I mean, I see that a huge problem in the industry and one where I feel like, I feel like you're kind of one in a million here, Trevor. <laughs> you actually want to work on residential claims and in the, in this business in the adjusting industry, it's a little shocking that, that even, that you even exist. Well, I'm not alone. I mean, there are, there are other guys that I'm aware of and uh, other, you know, really good guys in the industry do what I do. And there's Can definitely I, uh, do you mind one. if I get their number? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only uh, one I got. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. Um, so anyways, a um, couple of quick things just to back it up, just so there's no confusion. Yeah. So um, when it comes to an insurance claim, you know, kind of mentioned, you know, taking a file as a public adjuster, as, yes. you know, as an appraiser. So there's a there's a couple of differentiating factors there. So in the in the appraisal world world, um, it's really you know there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of controversy over that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times when you know it appears that the appraisal process is abused. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the in the insurance world, you know a, a file that should go to an appraisal is a spot basically where you've reached an impasse, you know, there's a dispute in the amount of loss and basically people, you know, the insured and the insurance company kind of digging their heels and saying, no, I think, you know, I deserve a new roof or no, you, you don't deserve a new roof. You only get a half of a roof, Mm -hmm. you know? So a situation like that, where there's a, there's a dispute in the amount of loss and you know, the, the, you know, basically the, 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 the two parties have reached an impasse, right. And, and, a arbitration proceeding is is necessary so the homeowner is kind of exhausted what he can he's talked to his agent he's talked to the manager he's talked to this person that person he's just kind of you know um you know holding his his hands up like well what do i do here i'm at i'm at an impasse right so that so that might be a position or a point where you know the appraisal clause you know or the claim is ripe for appraisal Mm -hmm. um you know some of these other ones where you have you know there really hasn't been a whole lot of discussion maybe the adjuster who went out there was you know, was new and didn't know what he was doing and wrote a, wrote for a file that, uh, and wrote an estimate that wasn't correct. 
uh, and the contractor's like, hey, I just don't want to deal with it, which will send it to appraisal. Um, that may not really be, you know, the right way. And ultimately, you know, ultimately the contractor really doesn't make that final call anyways. The homeowner would. Um, but and ultimately. I mean, that is a real thing, right? I mean, especially when you get huge catastrophes and, they, and insurance companies need people. I mean, they're hiring whoever they could find. To, you know, I've, I've heard some pretty crazy stuff as far as like who gets hired on as an, as an adjuster. Um, people who just don't have any experience whatsoever. And the next day they're out adjusting claims. So, yeah. So unfortunately in Colorado, we, we kind of see some of that, okay. um, you know, so there are some States that a licensure is required. So okay. to be an insurance adjuster, mm-hmm. you have to have, you know, certain licensing, um, mm-hmm. you know, the pass a test. Um, okay. Colorado is not a state that, you know, enforces licensing okay. for insurance adjusters. Now on the public adjuster side, mm-hmm. um, and this is kind of where I kind of qualify what I do a little bit more is, Hey, we do have, you know, to pass an, you know, to pass an exam, we do have hmm. continuing education requirements and okay. whatnot. Um, so it, it's interesting, you know, to me, you know, I, I do think, you know, bringing some more, um, responsibility, you know, to the actual adjuster with the insurance company probably wouldn't be a bad thing mm-hmm. because yeah, you're, you're right. Every once in a while you'll, you'll run into somebody that, Hey, one day they're mowing lawns. The next day they're adjusting claims. Like, yeah. you know, at some level that's not all right. Um, and you know, you're doing a disservice to, you know, to the insured, the policyholder by yeah. sending out that person. Yeah. Um, for the most part, um, uh, insurance companies do tend to have, you know, a training regimen and whatnot for their adjusters. Right. Um, yeah. But you'll run into those scenarios where yeah. it's somebody who has no clue. It's the first time I've ever seen hail damage. Yeah. You know, or the first time I've ever looked at a fire loss or yeah, a flood loss. I've been with people like that, literally, like personally. <laughs> I'm on a claim where it was the first <laughs> hail claim. And I had to walk them through locating the damage and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so, like, you know, you were, we were kind of talking about taking the a file as a public adjuster or taking a file as a loss appraiser and kind of the distinction between the two. So, you know, a homeowner kind of knows what they're getting into if they want to, if they, if they're kind of like, you know, getting ready to, you know, hire, use you for your, for their, you know, hire you basically. Yeah. So kind of going through it, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it really depends on what's going on, you know, you know, depending on, Hey, is this file right for appraisal? Is this something that, you know, an appraisal you know, should happen? Or is this something that, you know, there's, there's issues here that need to be addressed, you know, prior to anything like that. And maybe this thing can get settled without having to go through that process. Um, so it's really education. You know, I see a lot of what I do and, um, you know, you know, to, you know, to be honest, it's on, on all sides, you know, as the contractor, you're educating, mm-hmm. you know, the homeowner in regards to products and what you perceive as damage and, yeah. you know, how, how, you know, this place needs to be repaired. And as the insurance adjuster explaining, Hey, this is what's covered and why it's covered and mm-hmm. writing the estimate. Mm-hmm. And then on the public adjuster side, it's, Hey, it's, you know, it's an adjuster working for the homeowner, the insured, you know, to try to get, you know, that understanding, you know, ultimately I tell people all the time, Hey, they're probably very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, the insurance world, is, you know, and my side of the business is that's what I do. This is my expertise. You know, I'm going to be, you know, having my expertise, bringing my expertise to bear to help get a fair market, you know, settlement. Well, you know, people in Colorado can reach out to us. Can they can send me a message? I'm happy to make introductions. But if you're not in Colorado, I feel like it's, it's kind of, it's got to be kind of tough. You kind of, you know, if you, if you're at an impasse, you're the homeowner and you're out of state and you're, you need You're not sure what to do. And you, you really want a new roof and you feel like you deserve one. I mean, it's, I feel like it's great that we're doing this podcast. They can at least get educated on it. And when they talk, when they, they start Googling for public adjuster in my area, they can see, um, 
you know, they'll, they'll be able to ask a little more educated questions. Hey, you know, do you want, do you take this as a public adjuster or do you think we should take this as, as invoke my appraisal clause? For example, that would, those would be some pretty um, educated, uh, intelligent questions to ask a potential public adjuster you're thinking about hiring, would you say? Yeah. So, you know, ultimately, uh, public adjuster license, you know, is from state to state. Okay. So, you know, if I was to be licensed in another state, I'd have to, you know, comply with their regulations and, um, you know, there are numerous different regulations depending on state to state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also with policies, you know, policies aren't always the same. You know, some mm-hmm. insur- some some states have have different requirements, you know, for the policies. Okay. So, you know, I would, you know, there's a couple of places, you know, that are that's good for information for for homeowners or insureds mm-hmm. to look at, you know, places to look would be your, you know, here in Colorado we have, you know, our insurance you know, division basically is called DORA or Department of Regulatory Affairs. Okay. Um, you know, starting in places like that, talking to, you know, to some of these government entities about, hey, what are my my recourses here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I if you the insured feels like he's being, you know, taken for a ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, it's it's education, too. You know, I, I, I can't believe I, I can't I can believe it. But, you know, I, I can't count how many times, you know, I'll, I'll talk with an insured and he's got this preconceived notion that yeah. he's supposed to be given the moon and back and he's going to make all kinds of money on an insurance claim. And, mm. you know, we need to educate and oh, say, wow. hey, you know, there's yeah. that's not what insurance is for. Insurance isn't for, you know, give paying for your vacation. This yeah. is, insurance is for bringing your property to, uh, you know, a, a pre-loss condition. Well, let's talk about like, you know, actually hiring you, you know, and, and or if not you. But, you know, the homeowners hired a public adjuster and or, you know, let's talk about like the process, because I feel like there's a lot of misconception there. And and I get um, the I even as much as I can let someone know, hey, this is you've got a problem claim on your hands. This can take some time. Please be patient. You know, I'm going to, uh, you know, give you a great introduction to someone I know who can help you. But they still kind of get pretty antsy and they want a new roof like you know, really quick. And I feel like once you kind of go down the road of public taking the, you know, as working with a public adjuster, you could be in for, you got to kind of be in ready for the long haul. Yeah. You know, that's a very common question I get is, Hey, how long is this going to take? You know, are we going to have this roof on, you know, are we going to have our house repaired before Christmas or whatever? Yeah. Um, and ultimately, yeah, I mean, it, it really depends. It really depends on the facts of your claim. It depends on, who the insurance adjuster is and, and mm-hmm. how they want to handle the file. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it could, it could take, you know, a couple of days, it could take a couple of months, it could take even longer depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what the nuances are of the file. Um, so well, yeah. we've had files. I feel like I've, I've heard, I think you've worked on some that were even over a year. Yeah, it can. Absolutely. Depending yeah. on, you know, what's going on with the claim, how it gets passed around. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, that you'll see that where an insurance claim gets, passed around a couple of times, you know, yeah. before you, you reach an adjuster who's who's actually on that file for an extended period or who has some authority on it. So you're saying that the adjuster, the original adjuster's working on it, but then it went to a different adjuster and then that adjuster went to a different adjuster. And then by the time you're looking at the file, that adjuster has to review all the previous notes, all the previous information. And then once they're done reviewing, it might get passed on again and you have to work with someone else, a completely different person. Yeah. So that does okay. happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I think that's just kind of nature of the business. Um, I don't know. So, yeah. So kind of going through the process. So uh, what a public adjuster should be doing is, you know, 
uh, meeting with the homeowner, mm-hmm. uh, getting a contract and a letter of representation signed. Okay. Um, going through all that, meeting, you know, uh, meeting with that homeowner, explaining the process, educating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what he should be doing is kind of going through um, and reviewing the claim. So reviewing the estimates already provided, okay. reviewing the policy, mm-hmm. and then reviewing the damages. Okay. Know, be it through an inspection of himself or someone else. Okay. Yep. Um, and really trying to, you know, Put that fair market value you know, okay. to that claim is you know, that's the important bit. Yeah. Um, so it goes through it, and then ultimately he should be providing you know basically a, a stance or a basis for why he feels a claim may have been underpaid. Okay. Um, so they go through, and then ultimately that normally re, you know results in a reinspection. Okay. Um, and in my mind, uh, that's that's really kind of where where we want to go. We want to be able, by the time you get to reinspection, that could be a six week process right there. It's possible depending right. on the you know what the facts are. You know, okay. was there an expert needed? Do does the insurer need to hire an engineer? Does the okay. insurer need to hire you know a flat roof expert? You, you okay. name it. You yeah. know, so there's a lot of lot in pl- lot in play there that you know mm-hmm. that we kind of build you know the knowledge of our of the file as well as per, having that package prepared you know in a manner that the insurance would look at it and say okay hey this is something that should be paid for and there mm-hmm. should be coverage for yeah um so like i said that normally triggers a reinspection uh you normally meet with another adjuster in the field um you mm-hmm. know public adjusters you know should be out there and we'll be able to kind of review so uh, another insurance adjuster will come out do a reinspection yeah. uh, with you and you guys will kind of review the damages together absolutely so a lot of times and you know everyone works in different ways but how i like to do it is that you know i'll prepare what I feel is an accurate estimate and, you know, reasons why, mm-hmm. uh, any supporting documentation necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we kind of walk it with the insurance company and say, Hey, yeah. um, sometimes that's not necessarily necessary. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like for example, if you have a discontinued roof and it's, it's almost kind of like maybe the original adjuster wasn't even aware and it just requires some extra documentation to show that it's discontinued some information, maybe from me, from information from a lab report, for example, maybe some information from the manufacturer. And then you send it all in and reinspection may not even be necessary. They can just prove a full replacement. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, a nuanced thing, right? So sometimes yeah. you're right. You don't, we're not going to need to go out for a reinspection. Sometimes, you know, a lot of times there's additional damages. You know, I kind of tell people, you know, another set of eyes, you know, sometimes really helps, you know, Mm-hmm. identify damages that may have been missed, you know, be it. Well, yeah, the- there's one re- where I, I missed the uh, sliding glass door and it's probably a $4,000 door and it's been driving the homeowner nuts and it happened to have some hail damage on it. So now he's not only getting a new roof, he was also going to be getting a new um, sliding glass door in the back. And yeah. you kind of really, I mean, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> you guys could find, I mean, you really have an eye for seeing damage. So that's, that's it. I mean, so looking at it and kind of looking at it, you know, stepping back, you know, ultimately I'm here to help identify, mm-hmm. you know, items that may have been missed mm-hmm. items that, um, you know, that, that were, that, that are damaged that, Hey, maybe on, on a quick first inspection, or maybe the contractor was looking yeah. you know, at something, you know, you know, for example, you know, you being a, you know, a GC, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, primarily roofing is a, is a bigger, biggest aspect of your business. Right. You, you may be looking primarily at the roof on this and you may not have, that's it. usually what happens. I'm looking at the roof and I'm not, I'm really focused on that. And especially if the adjusters kind of give it on that when they were giving me a hard time about a replacement, you know, they wanted to do a repair. And so I was very obsessed with the, the roof, but, but yeah, um, we take claims or we take jobs as a general contractor occasionally, but mostly we take jobs as, you know, the roofing contractor. So, um, so yeah, that is one, and I can definitely miss stuff. So, you know, I think you guys, you know, you being able to, 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 you know, provide that service as far as like a more detailed inspection is, 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 you know, huge value. 
Yeah, and I think that really um, speaks to what we're doing as a public adjuster working for the insured, yeah. or the policyholder. Yep. Um, to get them, you know, what's owed them under the policy. Yeah. You know, so you know, I'm not necessarily looking only at a roof, or I'm not necessarily looking only at paint. I'm looking trying to look at the whole claim, the yeah. whole loss and damage. Yeah. Anything that was affected as a result and should be covered as a result of be it a hailstorm or a fire or a flood or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so that, so that's just it. So we kind of look through it, um, help identify those items, hopefully get a settlement with the insurance company, um, and then ultimately, you know, the, the funds are present, you know, for the contractor to do the work. Mm-hmm. And so just to kind of, we're kind of starting to, to wrap it up here, um, Trevor. I, again, I really appreciate you coming here. Oh, that's my alarm <laughs> right there, actually. But we've kind of gone through in detail working with a public adjuster and going through the public adjuster route. Um, can we just kind of wrap it up with like just briefly um, and if they it, there, sometimes it's not the case where you need to go take the a file as a public adjuster. And it's the case where you take it as where you kind of we've talked a little bit about invoking appraisal. Right. And so the customer will invoke appraisal and name you as the appraiser. Right. Because right. that's kind of what, what happens. And that that's a little different than you know, you taking a file as a public adjuster. Is that right? Correct. So uh, as a public adjuster, you know, I'm an advocate for the insured uh, and actually someone reviewing the policy for coverage mm-hmm. um, and ultimately trying to help identify damage and, you know, and, and document and uh, demonstrate damage to the insurance company in a manner that they could see it and uh, mm-hmm. you know, basically uh, provide coverage for and pay for correctly. Yeah. Uh, in the appraisal war- world, and there's definitely different opinions on it, but kind of the opinion I like to hold uh, is that um, it's really for a dispute resolution, right? Okay. So we have a dispute. We have a dispute between a, you know, the insured's contractor's estimate and the insurance company's estimate mm-hmm. and what the disputed items are for. You know, I okay. think uh, that's really the the intention of it is to resolve a dispute. Okay. Um, and being an independent, unbiased third party, you're kind of looking at it saying, okay, we're here to resolve a dispute. Okay. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of That process it. can go a lot faster than the other way, it, right? I mean, there's no real hard and fast rule on it. You know, okay. it, it's possible. Yeah. Um, you it's know, just from my experience, it seems like those go faster, you it, know, it's definitely nuanced. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that there are times where, you know, you may have a faster result and normally it's because the insurance company at that point has really dug their heels in on their position. Okay. Um, and so there's, you know, it, it, the lines are pretty cut and dry. So yeah. that's kind of where, where I see, you know, the appraisal the appraisals when they go fast, it's because, Hey, the lines are really clear. It's really clear to find lines and, you know, it's easy to kind of get a resolution there or, or yeah. clarify, Hey, what's right now in, yeah. you know, with a public adjuster, those lines may not be as clear. Okay. And, you know, there may be an issue where, um, you know, there may be some coverage issues. There may be some policy issues that play yeah. that need to be fleshed out and explained. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like I said, it could be more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it's definitely possible uh, that the appraisal will go quicker, um, mm-hmm. but ultimately too, they they could drag on, and you know, unfortunately, you know, yeah. it, really, it really depends on who the insurance company selects as their appraiser okay. as well. Okay, you know, um, you know, because the the insured is the the homeowner is naming you as their appraiser, but then the insurance company also has to name somebody as their appraiser. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So it's two independent, you know, third parties. They meet together and you know try to reach a resolution here and. Yeah. Figure out the dispute and the amount of loss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. 
Well, gosh, that's uh, a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think that's a lot of information. And I think um, I'm, I'm really happy that we can put it out there for people, you know. And I think uh, part of what we're trying to accomplish here with the podcast and really in, in my business life in general is just um, just kind of help people with, with getting through um, the complicated aspect of an insurance claim, you know, and, and having restore them to, to where they were before the, the storm and to, um, just provide, uh, you know, I, I work exclusively with premium products. And so I like to just put a really great premium product back on their house after that. And I feel like your, your goal, um, and I think it's just says so much about working with residential cause I've, I've met other adjusters who won't even touch residential claims, you know? So, um, you being able to do that, I think it shows that, you know, you, you uh, are looking, it's, it's more than just a profit in this business for you, you know? And if you can be successful on um, which you have been successful, um, in, in addition to like making a contribution to society and to humanity, then that's awesome. Right. Yeah. I, then I, I appreciate what you're saying is that, I mean, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was in this, you know, only to make a million dollars and, go live on an island, you know, in the, in yeah. the Pacific Ocean. Like, I'd be in, I'm in the wrong business or, you know, yeah. I'm looking at it wrong. Absolutely. So I think, you know, that's one thing kind of my background brings to bear is, hey, I'm looking at this as a, you know, trying to be ethical, yeah. trying, you know, trying to provide what's, you know, what's, tr- you know, what is truth? You know, yeah. that's exactly it. So trying Absolutely. to, trying to figure out, you know, those, those, those nuances on the, on the, you know, the problem files, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going through the whole thing, you know, it's, it's definitely good to, you know, be referred by respected people and people who you know want the same thing. Absolutely, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, thanks again, Trevor. I mean, we're going to wrap it up and uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please uh, feel free to review, uh, subscribe to the podcast, and we will uh, see you next time. Have a great holiday. This is actually the Christmas season, so um, <laughs> have a great uh, holiday. Have a great Christmas, and we'll see you next time. So thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I really hope that you got something out of this show. Please be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. And if you would be so nice as to leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. If you do know someone who you think could benefit from listening to this show, if you know what I mean, please send them our way and we hope that we can help them. Thank you again, and I hope you have a great day.